Get ready to hear some noise tonight. You're about to go behind enemy lines with the original Blues Hockey Podcast. Let's go Blues Radio. This is Let's Go Blues Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Ponder. This is Season 8, Episode 24, Franchise Episode Number 210. I want to give a big thanks to the Wild and Free for the use of their song, Fire. Make sure you check them out over at YouTube and over at Spotify. And uh, check out one of their local shows, too. They, uh, they play around St. Louis a lot, so make sure you check out their calendar i believe their uh, website is the wild and free band.com also make sure you check out tom calhoun over at paguytom.com for any pa services you might need to hire him for as well as books on tape hiring for books on tape or check out his books on tape uh, that's again is paguytom.com also check out the letsgoblues.com shop. We have plenty of shirts, mugs, and stickers. So uh, go out there, check that out, and uh, support the show because all that uh, proceeds go back into this very show. Also subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your shows. You can listen at letsgobluesradio.com as well. If you are on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. Uh, five stars would be great. Well, folks, here we are. We got the uh, episode of Toronto up, and yet again, I do not have another email to read, but uh, we're still going to keep the party going. This, of course, is the segment where typically I hear from you, the listener. Uh, you can write in at radio at letsgoblues.com. And you can tell me about how you're celebrating this summer, the Big Blues Championship, and uh, also anything important about being a hockey fan you want to talk about. If uh, you're new to the show, uh, check out some of the earlier episodes of Behind Enemy Lines, which is uh, all in Season 8. There's been a, a lot of great emails we've gotten from fans, and if you want to write in, get an idea of what they said, there you go. Just check that out. Good stuff. Uh, but again, we are going to uh, jump in the old time machine, and we're going to flash back to February 20th, 2019. Now, this was uh, right after the Blues extended their franchise record 11-game winning streak. Uh, it was Ryan O'Reilly had scored in overtime against the Toronto Maple Leafs, which, uh, you know, a little tie-in to this episode. But uh, yeah, this was a big moment, uh, obviously, in Blues history. Longest winning streak ever we've seen, and you know, obviously, this came on the heels of the Blues being just absolutely terrible and impossible to watch. So uh, this was uh, kind of fun to listen to because we uh, we're still a little bewildered 
by the turnaround that we saw from this team. And and it, uh, it, it, it really does feel like uh, this just happened. Just happened. You're probably getting tired of this bit, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, a few folks online, um, uh, you know, you, or you, know, like you call them folks, you can call them um, asshats, you know, but they... I, I it, prefer stooges. It, it, stooges. It's funny because, you know, they'll, they'll kind of spout off and they'll say, oh, I knew that this team was going to do this. I, I knew it. And I'm like, the fuck you did. <clears throat> I mean, if so... <laughs> Um, Doug Armstrong didn't even think the team was going to do this because he pretty much came out and said, I'll listen for offers. I'll, I'll, I'll entertain offers for, for pretty much anybody. You know, just, you know, call me. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm probably one of the most optimistic guys you'll ever hate to meet. Uh, I, I, I had accepted the Blues uh, fate this year as, as a really bad team that honestly should have been really good, and uh, which was extra frustrating. But uh, and and this happened, damn it! This happened to me with the Cardinals too. Uh, back when they uh, they won in two thousand and six eleven, yeah, two thousand eleven, when they just snuck in or six whatever that was, when they just snuck in, and they, they, they six they, when they snuck in. They, they were those. Well, they snuck in both years. both years, but eleven was the year they were like, we're, they're done, they're done, and they got in, and they, they had the hot September. Yeah, but and I, I I remember texting my cousin. I'm like, when, after they lost, I'm like. That's it. It was against the Cubs, I think. And I'm like, that's it. We're done. I mean, I, I, I that was it. Done. Sealed, signed, done. Delivered, gone. So, and then they came back and won the fucking World Series. So, and I and I did the same thing this year. I, I like, I, I had accepted fate that this team was a really good team that was just playing really bad and they just weren't going to get much better. Right. And there that, was just. For whatever reason, it didn't come together. Right, and is it, it chemistry sense, or the yeah? I mean, all it, those things happen to professionals. It's like it happens to the Rangers all the time. That they have all this money, all this talent, and they just don't put it together. Um, so, yeah, and I, <laughs> so I'm I I was wrong about that, and I I'm not ashamed to admit that. I'm happy to admit that I was wrong about that. Yeah, I mean, I, for me, I was like the the thing that I kept telling myself to get through games earlier this year was. You know what? They've got plenty of talent on this roster. They'll be able to make some moves. They'll be able to, you know, I, I don't know if Armstrong will still be sticking around, but whatever, whoever the GM is, they'll get somebody. They'll, they'll, they'll trade him for him and, and do a one-for-one one and a couple spots with graphics, whatever. They could be back in the playoffs next year. I mean, that's what I was telling myself. Like, just get through this year, kind of like 06, and, and see what happens in the summer, Maybe next year, you know, they're they're not going to give up their all their core. They're still in a win now mentality. They just got to retool a bit. That's what I was telling myself. Now it's like it's beyond my wildest dreams. Two months ago, I would have never thought we'd be talking about this team challenging for second in the division. No way. Well, let's get into our guests of the week. Uh, James Roberts and Doug Ireland from Offside Hockey Talk. They are a Maple Leafs podcast, so uh, obviously ties in a little bit to the Keep the Party Going segment there. This was recorded in uh, mid-July, so this was after the Blues had won, and they made sure to thank me plenty of times for my team beating the Boston Bruins uh, in the Stanley Cup Final. So uh, I know you'll enjoy that, Blues fans. 
Today on Let's Go Blues Radio Behind Enemy Lines, we are talking Toronto Maple Leafs, and I'm joined by the gentleman from Offside Hockey Talk, that is James Roberts and Doug Ireland. We'll get to them in a minute. But first, let's uh, let's look at some of the important statistics between the Blues and the Toronto Maple Leafs. All time, the St. Louis Blues have played 219 games. They have a 101, 90, 25, and 3 record, the 3 being ties, the, the uh, I'm sorry, the three being overtime losses and the 25 being ties. Uh, the Blues' first meeting with the Maple Leafs came on December 10th, 1967. That was a 2-1 win in St. Louis. And then a uh, big, big note that a lot of people may not realize, Brett Hall, his first game as a St. Louis Blue came against the Toronto Maple Leafs. That was on March 8th, 1988, after that infamous trade between the Blues and the Flames. He had one assist in a 3-2 Blues win on that day. So a very big day there for uh, for St. Louis and, and the Blues in general. Uh, now I'd like to introduce my host, my my uh, guests of this episode, James Roberts and Doug Ireland of the Offside Hockey Talk. Gentlemen, thanks for joining me today. No, no worries. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us, Jeff. So obviously, uh, you look at the history between the Blues and the Leafs. Um, something I want to talk about with you guys right here at the start. Let's get the the negative feelings out of the way first. I want to talk to you guys about the Blues just got the Stanley Cup, and so 2019 Blues are Stanley Cup champs. Now the longest serving franchise that has not won a cup, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Last cup they won was the year before the Blues joined the league. 1967. Um, do you think there's pressure on the organization now after uh, the St. Louis Blues finally getting their Stanley Cup? Doug, you go first, my friend. Well, I, I don't think that there's pressure now. I think that there's been pressure for like 30 or 40 years. Like <laughs> my dad, I remember my dad talking about uh, how upset Leafs fans were that they stunk all through the 70s and 80s and all the struggles they had with uh, Harold Ballard. And so it's, it's, it's not like a recent thing. Uh, Leafs fans have been crazy for like 60 years. Uh, <laughs> That's it, 60 years? Sorry? <laughs> That's it, 60 years? Something like that. I don't know. I've stopped <laughs> counting after a while. <laughs> See, I think for myself, I think um, I echo a little bit what Doug said about the pressure always being there. But I do think it is now amplified with the team that the Leafs have. And then, but the fact is, you are now the longest-serving non-cup team in the league and one of the biggest markets, always referred to as the mecca of hockey. No matter who comes here or who leaves, they always say Toronto is where hockey is. So this market needs to serve its fans a cup, and I think the pressure and the onus is now on this leadership and trust group to be able to deliver. So, yes, Jeff, to answer your question, I think the pressure is now tenfold, and it needs to happen sooner than later. Otherwise, It'll become the laughing stock, much like the Cubs were forever until they finally won. And we all seen how big that was when that happened. So I can see this being another one of those situations. So let me ask you this too. How much do you hate the Boston Bruins? <laughs> Not as much as the Canadians still, the Montreal Canadiens. Not as much, but it's definitely getting up there for me. I'll tell you right now, if you look at it in recent times, the Boston Bruins have more fresh wounds on the Leafs than the Montreal Canadiens do. I, I think the the rivalry between the Canadians is more media driven now than you know the actual rivalry being there. Watching you guys B 
beat the Boston Bruins and seeing Cryshand on the ice. It was absolutely amazing. Okay. And that, that guy has just replaced crying Jordan in most memes. So Cryshand is now the thing that people look to when a sporting event goes the wrong way for a team. I was happy that you guys did it. And for me, Boston is the team that is replaced Montreal to me as a rival. When that game happens, I get up for those games. Even if it's regular season, you want to beat them. You want, I wouldn't say bad things to happen, but you want to set a tone or send a message during those games. Yeah, no, that's, uh, I'll tell you what, uh, Boston, I, I definitely just did not like the city itself uh, just because of how many championships. I, I can't stand the Patriots, can't stand the Red Sox, can't whoa stand no, the Bruins. Oh, no, whoa no. Watch, watch what you say about the Patriots. I may not be a Boston fan, but I'm a Patriot fan. I'm in Nova Scotia. They're right oh. close. They're right <laughs> close. All right, this episode is now over. <laughs> Listen, you can't hate on TB12. Come on now. All right. I, I mean, you can, but I, I won't in this episode. Um, <laughs> uh, no, you're, you're I. You're deflating uh, the episode. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, no, I, uh, uh, I just, I wanted to see them lose. And obviously, them playing the Blues, it was, yeah, I, I obviously want to see them lose. But at the same time, once the series started, game one, game two came. For me, it was, these guys are a bunch of jack-offs. You know, that was the only thoughts in my mind that the Marshawn, uh, as much as I remember and loved David Backus in the Blues jersey, he wasn't fun to play against. Right. Um, it, you know, and then just a, uh, Zidane Chara, as, as much as you respect him as a player, you can't stand him on the rink. I mean, every single game, I, I hated him more and more. And so I'm like, <laughs> I even said at one point, I can see why the Maple Leafs hate the Bruins. Yeah. Well, one thing that sticks out in my mind, and Doug, you'll echo this, and I can't wait till next season to see someone pop him back, is when Zdeno Chara uppercutted Tavares. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of guys that you can throw hits at and throw shots at or pot shots, but John Tavares, the guy doesn't really get in many scrums. He doesn't drop the mitts. He's not that kind of guy. So to feed him an uppercut and drop him the ice and look at him like, oh, did I do that? You know, it just... <laughs> It really shows you what kind of player he is. He reminds me a lot of Pronger back in the day with the elbows. Oh, I'm yes. tall. I just hit people with my elbow. That's just what happens. You know, yep. you can rein it in a little bit. That's what I, uh, that's what I was, I mean, I, I loved Chris Pronger, favorite player of all time. But I, I remember when people used to get mad and, and say, oh, you know, that guy with his elbows. And, and I, I would use that excuse. Oh, come on. He's six foot six. What do you expect? But, you know, I mean, I knew the whole time looking, it's like, well, his elbow shouldn't be flying up the way it flies up. But yeah. I'm not going to say that to another fan. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I was just glad own. we made it through a series with Boston without Marchand licking anybody. That's tr- true. We did too. I'm surprised. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. like a rarity these days. <laughs> yeah. I think the leadership core at Boston took him aside and said, listen, you can go as far as you want, but that's the line. Like, don't yeah. kiss, don't lick. Like last year when he, when he kissed Komarov, it was... <laughs> just got really weird really fast and you started to wonder about <laughs> Mr. Martin if hockey was getting to him yeah it was uh i was ex- i was waiting for something like that from him i think we saw a little bit of uh Marshawn's play but i was waiting for that kind of antics from him and i'm i was surprised it didn't really come out all series and from what it seemed like it didn't really come out much during the playoffs which uh like you said maybe that's a, a nod to the leadership group there in Boston well, also, he went into the playoffs pretty injured, I guess. So 
I mean, you wouldn't know it by him dancing on a bar with flip-flops after the Stanley <laughs> Cup final had ended. But, yeah, apparently he was pretty banged up. So a lot of his antics and shenanigans, I guess he couldn't stand up for because he'd get popped and probably be out. So Yeah, true. Jeff, uh, I have well, to that- ask you a question. Sure. You guys were last place in the NHL. And you know probably where I'm going with this. There was a gentleman who placed a bet. Yes. For the St. Louis Blues to win the Stanley Cup. What are your thoughts on that bet and that gentleman collecting? How amazing of a story is that? Well, I will tell you, as a man who really doesn't bet much, uh, I've, I've been to Vegas a couple times, obviously, before sports betting became more legal here in, in the U.S. Um, I uh, I went to Vegas. I placed a couple bets here and there on sports teams. Never Nothing ever came of it. Always bet on the Blues every time I've gone, every time I've bet. Um, and I'll tell you what. As crazy as it sounds, and I, and this is, I know it sounds like this is hindsight speaking. If I were him, I would have done the same thing just because it's like, you know what? I'm in Vegas. I'm just going to put a bet on the Blues. Let's just see what happens. Now, the fact that he put as much as he did on the Blues and it worked out and it paid off, that's once in a lifetime. You're not going to ever see that again. I mean, I, yeah, maybe we'll see another team, maybe have the run the Blues had, but I. Honestly, I doubt it. And I know that's going to be the rally cry now for every team that's in last place uh, in January. But unbelievable. And and I couldn't be happier for that guy. I mean, not only is the guy a Blues fan, and he's like the rest of us, witnessing history and finally seeing his team lift the cup, he's gaining so much financially that we could all only dream of happening for us. So good for him. Great story. And I know he's basically having the best summer any of us will ever have, except oh, maybe Brett Hall. Yeah, well, yeah, that, he's another story <laughs> altogether. <laughs> yep. Uh, all right, guys, I want to talk to you about uh, a little bit past history between the uh, the Blues and Maple Leafs. Now, for those who don't remember, Blues and Maple Leafs, I know geography, it doesn't make sense, but um, they used to be in the same division. Blues and Leafs met in the playoffs uh, five times in their time, and uh, the Blues did go three and two in that time. And the last meeting these two teams had was a big one for St. Louis. And I think if we would have been having this conversation about three months ago, this conversation would probably go much different. But now that the Blues have won the Cup, it's it's a little different for people in St. Louis. We can kind of look at it a little bit and you know kind of say, oh yeah, that was that was a that was something that happened. Uh, whereas a couple months ago. There was still a lot of anger for Blues fans. Uh, 96 NHL playoffs. Blues beat the Maple Leafs in six games. Uh, this was uh, th- obviously the year Wayne Gretzky uh, had joined the Blues. And this was uh, basically the team that everybody thought was going to march on to the Stanley Cup. But something happened in game two. And something that made Nick Kiprios pretty much uh, public enemy number one in St. Louis. I want to get your guys' thoughts on this. This has been a long conversation here on Let's Go Blues Radio. So game two, Nick Kiprios uh, falls on top of Grant Fuhrer, uh, forces a knee injury to Fuhrer. John Casey has to come in and be the Blues' goalie for the rest of that round, and then in the game seven loss uh, all the way through game seven to the Detroit Red Wings. People say Grant Fuhrer plays. It's probably a different playoff year. Blues might be going all the way as they were predicted to do. But you watch the play. And and I know that the notes I gave you guys is probably more on my slant, but 
Chris Pronger, Kiprios meet in front of the net. Pronger cross-checks him, and uh, Kiprios falls into Fjord. Uh Instantly, the reaction is, from Canadian media at least, that Pronger knocked Kiprios into Fjord. We have argued on this show, and I know other Blues fans have agreed, it seemed to me that Kiprios fell the opposite way from where Pronger hit him, probably purposely landing on Grant Fuhr. I want to get your guys' take. Settle this debate. What do you guys think happened there? Have at her, Doug. I got a pretty long one for this one. Well, if, if you'll allow me to put on my engineer physicist BattleBots hat here, uh, I would disagree that it was clear that he fell the wrong way. To me, uh, his skates were angled towards the goal when he was shoved. So if you think about like a train and you push a train that's on a track at an angle, the train can only move one of two directions, forwards or back, depending on the acute, the acuteness of the angle. So a 90 degree shove would end with the player like absorbing the check. But it was like really, to me at least, I thought it was pretty clear that he had, there was like direction towards the net, even if it wasn't like a straight necessarily 90 degree push, there was an offset push. And you, like I said, you can only go one of two directions. Uh, he wasn't going to go back, uh, back based on that angle. So I think that, I mean, you can also look at the fact that he got, there was a cross check coming at his head and you see a cross check coming out your head. You stop thinking about the direction you're facing and you start putting your hands up to protect himself, which is what he did. So to me, it seems that if he wasn't cross checked to the head, he likely would have had no momentum carrying him towards the goalie in the first place. So I, I think I'm going to have to agree with the Canadian media take big surprise there. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> By the way, you're banned from my show. <laughs> well, here's a take I have. Okay. If you look at the video, clearly, Doug, I'll agree with you. Look at his skates. It's just like you said, the train on the tracks. I'll give you, Jeff, a little bit of something here in just a moment. Um, if you look at the way his skates are, obviously, he was pushed and he kept going the way that he was going with his skates, which is into fear. The problem that I have with Kiprios, and we all know the type of player he is, if you watch the video, as he's going into Mr. Fear, you see him pumping his legs as if to gain a little bit more traction, at least in my eyes, to drive himself not just into but through Fear when he's falling down, almost to say, okay, if you're going to cross-check me, this is what I'm going to do in result right here, right now. So I can see Blues fans being mad about it. I can see them saying, well, you know what? It was intentional. But if you look at it, the way he was hit, he went into fear on the trajectory he was going on, but the pumping of the legs may have added a little bit more momentum to the fall, which may have ultimately added to the injury. Uh, you know what? I, I'll let you stick around. You at least gave me a little <laughs> bit of leeway. Doug, you got to go. yeah i mean it's again this was this has been a long conversation in st louis i mean this happened in 96 people still talk about it to this day that 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 was one of the reasons the blues didn't win the cup that year and uh you know yeah you could make the case john casey played fine i thought he did uh obviously he won the blues a series after that that was game two and uh they ended up winning six games so i thought john casey was good enough to get the Blues through, there were certain players that didn't have as good of a playoff as we hoped they would. But at the same time, when you see your num- number one goalie and a guy who has the pedigree that Grant Fuhrer has go out over what is a questionable fall on the goalie, it's pretty easy to uh, to see why oh, Blues Nation... Easily. Yeah, it, it's pretty easy to see. So whenever we see Nick Kiprios, I, I, I've said this on the show, 
I see the Kiprios on the on the broadcast. I'm like, oh, don't ever come to St. Louis. Just stay <laughs> in Canada. You're not welcome, sir. <laughs> well, I'll look at it like this. And Doug, you can echo this one too. For a while, for the Maple Leafs, we had a guy named Roland Polak who loved to fall on his old goaltender. Don't yeah. know why, but it seems to be a thing, you know, with players if they're being hit or checked or whatever it is to act like you're you know arms up like a toothpick trying to avoid the goalie but you do end up falling into the goaltender ultimately anyways not to injure but we all know goalies are creatures of habit they have ways they play ways they set up the whole nine yards a guy going in and barreling in and falling on him it throws him off and then the goalie starts thinking about is this guy going to do that again is this going to happen again so it's something that happens a lot unfortunately and in that situation with Kiprios, it just happened to have an injury added onto it, which made it that much more worse. I think Blues fans should finally let it go. You know, just <laughs> just watch a little Frozen, start singing, let it go. You know, have a little fun with it. And enjoy the fact that you guys are the 2019 Stanley Cup champions and you now do not hold the same distinction as the Maple Leafs as tied for the longest cup trout. You guys now own the cup. So you can let it go. You got the ultimate revenge. That's you true. won the cup. That's true. You've gone on and done better things than the Leafs have done since that point. That's what I said. It's from the same playoff year when Steve Eiserman scored the uh, the game winner in Game Seven. It's so easy for Blues fans to get mad. I mean, I've always been a huge fan of Steve Eiserman, but you know, at the same time, I get why Blues fans hold him in disdain because of that goal. And I'm like, you know, I think we can let it go now, guys. It's 2019. We won the cup. Let it go. Steve Eiserman was a great player. Give him the respect he deserves. Let it go. Well, let it go. Uh, well, you know, I had to say, an amazing say this. voice. There you go. He should be on uh, Broadway or Disney, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what I was going to say for us, you know, for being a Leaf fan, Doug, you'll know this one. You know, I like Jeremy Roenick as a player, but when he scored that goal as a Philadelphia Flyer to put the Leafs out of the playoffs, and that started the drought, um, you know, I don't have the same love and respect and like for Mr. Jeremy Roenick, so I can hear where you're coming from with Heiserman. There you go. You you get it. You get it. Um, <laughs> so in this series, uh, you know, we mentioned that uh, this is the year Wayne Gretzky was was with the Blues. He had uh, nine assists in that six game series, which I'm sure uh, kind of hurt a little for Maple Leafs fans because I know everybody loves Gretzky, especially north of the border, but even down here as well. Um, but I, you know, and you guys talk to Gretzky, talk about Gretzky if you want. But there was one player in this series, and I actually forgot that he was still with the Leafs at this point and still in the NHL until I looked up the stats and I saw his game-winning goal. And I think it was Game Five for the Maple Leafs. Uh, Mike Gardner, I, I thought that was a guy who was very underrated for his time. He was so fast. You think about guys who've had the speed, uh, Dylan Larkin. And these guys now that can move their feet the way they can. Mike Gardner was able to move at today's pace in 25 years ago equipment. I mean, it was impressive how quick he was. He had good hands, a hell of a hockey player. And I just uh, wanted to ask you guys, is Mike Gardner remembered as as a true, like, uh, I'd say top 10, top 15 Maple Leaf uh, in Toronto? Uh, for For me, no. Um, I like Mike Gardner. I like what he brought. Um, like how he played, but I mean, there's so many other players that are memorable and hold a place dear, at least in my heart. Now you can pull 
100 Leaf fans and probably get a varying response of where he falls. But to me, um, you know, I'm, I, no, no, no. <laughs> Doug, what do you think? I mean, it's it's tough for him to find a spot when you got guys like Sittler, Clark, Gilmore, Dave Keon, George Armstrong, Tim Horton. Like most of those guys are played long, long, long before I was ever came. It was a sparkle in my dad's eye. But at the same time, I am intimately familiar with most of those guys. I my dad, I remember him buying VHS tapes of the old Leafs series and old Leafs players and making me watch them. Like. <laughs> Yep. So I just, I don't see a spot for him just, just because there's a, we have such like, you know, you have a team for, I don't know, 120 years, whatever it is now. There's just so many guys that end up playing for you that you just, it's, it's hard for anybody to break the top 10. Uh, I honestly forgot that Mike Gardner was a leaf until you brought that up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's so funny. Is, you, uh, he ranks. <laughs> you, you just got into my good graces again, Doug, because you mentioned Doug Gilmore and that's one of my favorite players of all time as well. Well, I, I mean, he shares the same name as me, so I get called Dougie pretty much everywhere I go, and uh, I that's can pretty obvious where that comes from. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, so, guys, I want to talk to you about uh, another big game in NHL history. This is NHL history. This was a big one for the Blues. Unfortunately, I'm sure Maple Leafs fans don't like to remember this one. Uh, it was regular season. It wasn't postseason, so, you know, not the end of the world. But November 29th, 2000, uh, this was what some consider, and I do still consider it this, the greatest NHL comeback. Uh, Blues were down 5 nothing in the third period, came back and beat the Leafs 6-5 in overtime. It was only the second time a team has come back from such a large deficit in the third period to win a game. Uh, the Blues scored their six goals in 15 minutes and 27 seconds, beginning at the fastest time a team has come back from a five-goal deficit in NHL history. And if I remember correctly, I think that beat the old record by one second. So it is technically the greatest comeback in NHL history. So that game, I don't know how well you guys remember it, but um, that game, it it reminds me of the, uh, well, I, okay. So I think of how certain players on the team that year, uh, some of your top guys, Pierre Turgeon, Scott Young, uh, they didn't have a point in that game. Pavel Dimitra, Michael Hanzus, Jochen Hesch, all these like, I mean, granted, still great players, but of their time, they were the ones driving the offense. Al McKinnis, Chris Pronger also had big games. Um, But first of all, do you guys remember this game? And is it something that Maple Leafs fans, when it comes up, is it like the world's biggest eye roll? Well, I'll put it like this. A 5 nothing loss in the regular season to the St. Louis Blues is not something that keeps me up at night. And you talk about <laughs> large comebacks and large – oh, I don't even want to talk about it. It's going to pain me to say it. I don't know if you've watched the playoffs, but you've probably seen the Maple Leafs have a beautiful 4-1 to lead against the Boston Bruins with not much time left in the playoffs. And we all know how that song and dance went. So that – is more painful than thinking of a five nothing, you know, lead on a team <laughs> and then blowing it. Um, so I don't think about that one. I mean, it's it's a huge comeback. It's amazing. It's awesome. But um, no, I, I look at the ones that are way more painful and way more recent. Like I said, yeah. the Boston Bruins, and those are the ones that keep me up at night. It's that Stop one you can it. live with because <laughs> you can live with that five nothing, you know, being up and then losing six five because. 
you have more games to play throughout the season to kind of make up or adjust or whatever you're going to call it. But in the playoffs, when it's game seven and you're up 4-1 and you lose, that's it. So You know, you, you mentioned that game, and this is how bad I'm sure that hurt Leafs Nation. That hurt me when that happened. I was like, oh, poor Maple Leaf fans. Like, that was... Oh, that hurt. I can only imagine what it was like for you. Listen, it's not uh, I knew it was twice. <laughs> I knew it was going to happen. Uh, when when we got when we went up with four one in the third, I knew it was coming. I was sitting in the in my living room with like I don't know eight or nine people, and everybody's celebrating. Like, yeah, we're going to the next round. And as soon as someone said that, I was like, no, we're not. <laughs> oh. I just knew the Leafs have such a bad history of those types of like the game you brought up that eleven uh, November 29th game. That's just. That's just one in a list of many. <laughs> it's just so like I rem- I actually do remember that specific game against the Blues because I remember the announcers talking about it and I remember jumping and screaming and yelling at my TV. Uh, but it was it's again I go back with what James says is it wasn't as bad as that Boston loss and that but it's also at this point as a Leafs fan you just kind of expect these things to happen. They seem to happen too often. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> Doug, so I know what I'm going to do next year when the Leafs are in the playoffs and they happen to be going to a game seven, it might be leading. I'm going to have someone slip you something. So you go to sleep. Yeah, it might be a good idea. Obviously <laughs> you saying the Leafs aren't going to win. You have something because you did the same thing this year. You did the same thing this year by texting me and say, ah, they're not going to win. They're not <laughs> going to win. And I get that feeling, man. I just, you've been at least, you can see the momentum. Inside. Keep it inside. Okay. <laughs> Scandling into your Kawhi plant or whatever you need to do, your coactuses, just figure something else to let that. Because, Jeff, I know that you guys probably had many points during your run this year where you thought it might be it, it might be over, but you didn't say it out loud and you still hope for the best. And that's what I'm trying to instill in Mr. Doug here. You have to always hope and want the best. Screw everything else. Yeah, no, and I'll tell you, as a Blues fan, I mean, before this year, and and we've talked about this on the show, that you're, we are so, and, and I know you guys can relate, we are just so conditioned to just Blues going up and taking a, a 3-1, 4-1 lead, whatever, and it's just, yeah, they're going to find a way to blow it. I mean, we we knew it every time. When they were up 2-0 on the Jets, um, and, and uh, the Jets came back and tied the series at 2-2, I will tell you that 90% of Blues fans were, yeah, Winnipeg's got the next two games. They're going to win it on our home <laughs> ice, and it's done. The, the series is over. The dream's over. The hope's dead. I mean, that was the belief in St. Louis, and and Bunch of everybody dogs. thought that. And when, when Dallas uh, when Dallas had a 3-2 series lead on the Blues, it was, they're done. They're not going to win this next game in Dallas. They're not going to take it to Game 7, and if they do take it to Game 7, they're going to lose. So it's just you're so conditioned for it. So I guess the hope I want to give you guys is that eventually, one time, all you need is one season where that crap just doesn't happen. And that was the Blues this year. So maybe the the least time is coming. Well, the thing Uh, for the the Blues, I think it started in the offseason with one Mr. Tyler Bozak. And I quote, I want to win a cup so damn bad. That's why I signed in St. Louis. There's your headline printed that was before the season so obviously maybe he's seen something in the water or the tea leaves or whatever but obviously there was a a feeling and that's what you're just talking about and 
there he is putting the good juju in the world and look what happened. So let me let me ask you guys about that then. Let's go ahead and talk about Tyler Bozak because that's uh that was something I, I wanted to ask. Was that a do you think that was a slight at Toronto? And and did people take it as a slight towards Toronto, what he said? Doug, go ahead. Uh, no. I, I didn't I did not read into that at all. Um I don't I don't recall anyone in the media doing so either. It was just, you know, it's it's, I, it goes back to that we've we've the number of uh, high quality players that we've lost over the years for one reason or another. It was, I think, consensus with that was that it was Bozak's time to leave. We needed to make room for all the young uh, young superstars we had coming up, and someone had to be sacrificed, and that guy was Bozak. So I don't think there was any bitterness there at all. See, um, imagine oh. playing in a hockey market that sad hockey rabid that not only do you not win the Stanley Cup, but you do not qualify for the playoffs in most of your tenure with that team. So in going to a St. Louis Blues team that has a lot of the pieces that you think could get you forward, including a Ryan O'Reilly and a Petrangelo, you know, Jordan Bennington, just all these things that you think can line up, you know, and coming from a market where it just hasn't lined up, I think it was him just letting it out and saying, you know what, this is where I believe I can do this. This is where my best chance is. And this is the place to pay me the most damn money. So we're going to win a cup because <laughs> I need to justify the cap hit I'm getting right now. Yeah, no, I hear you. Um, so talking about the Stanley Cup, and, and again, not to not to uh, make you guys like grumble and just, oh, God, can we just not talk about a team winning? Um Former Leafs players. There was a, a few of them on this team, the, of the, the Stanley Cup team. Uh, you mentioned Tyler Bozak, Carl Gunnarsson, Alexander Steen, all these guys, former Maple Leafs, former uh, uh, draft picks of the Maple Leafs, and, and moved on to St. Louis one way or the other. Um, again, I, St. Louis knows better than anyone, and we say this all the time. We watch so many former Blues. I mean, Brett Hall, Brendan Shanahan, um, you know, and then obviously guys like Chris Pronger and, and it just, it just continued Doug Waite. These guys went on to win Stanley cups, uh, former blues greats, uh, winning Stanley cups after they left here. And it was so devastating every year. Joel Quinville was another one to watch every single year. It seemed like there was another former blues great. And I know these guys weren't exactly Maple Leafs greats, but watching them lift the cup, um, do you, was, was there a lot of upset people in Toronto and we talked earlier about pressure, pressure on the organization to win. Do you think that adds anything else there with them being former Maple Leafs? I'll start with the first part. Um, for me anyways, and a lot of people that I, uh, I guess social media travel with, um, you know, we were happy to see a guy like Tyler Bozak, who I felt gave a lot to the Maple Leafs and didn't get a lot back in return especially from the fans. Um, he was placed in roles that he wasn't, you know, set up to thrive in, but did his best and, you know, wore the crest and was proud to be a Maple Leaf. So I was very happy for him. Carl Gunnison and uh, Steen, I mean, Steen's been so far removed from being a Maple Leaf that it's almost a distant memory that didn't happen. Um, he wasn't with the Leafs for very, very long. Um, so, again, still happy for him. Um, glad he got the cup. Carl Gunnison, again, another kind of, um, as they use in the media, whipping boy in Toronto. Um, everybody coming down on him all the time. Um, he wasn't exactly the best player, wasn't the finesse player for us, but he was another good piece for you guys. So to answer the question, um, you know, where I was happy 
for the players that won the cup that were former Leafs because we know what the pressure is here in Toronto. We know what the media market is. We know what the fans' expectations are. So for those guys, again, just like I said with the headline from Bozak, to go out and win a Stanley Cup, awesome for them. And I've already answered the part. I think the fact that these guys went out and won a cup, it shows the Maple Leafs that it can be done, the drought can be broken. What do we need to do to do it? What can we get to address it? And the pressure is on tenfold. Like I said, you don't want to be that team with that big, long drought number attached to you at all times. So for me, there were uh, all across Canada. I think there, the consensus was that the there was uh, support for the St. Louis Blues. There were so many Canadian players on St. Louis. There were former Leafs on the, the general consensus was that people were rooting for St. Louis. You throw in the whole thing. We were just talking about earlier about uh, disliking Boston. That definitely played into it. But for uh, like for me, my dad was born in 1943. He grew up listening to Leafs games and watching the broadcast games in black and white, and he saw them won multiple cups. Like, so a lot of people act like all that stuff's ancient history in Leafs land. But to me, that's like my dad watched the Leafs win a cup, and I haven't had that chance yet at all. Uh, I find it difficult to continue uh, rooting for teams that aren't the Maple Leafs or paying that much attention. Like, I find it difficult. Like, I'll, I'll watch a few games here and there, but I want to watch the Maple Leafs win. It's It's been so long since I've had that opportunity and chance. So that's the, to me, that's, that's the most difficult part of the whole thing. Uh, I was certainly happier to see St. Louis win than Boston, though. That's... <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, let me ask you guys this then, too, talking about the 2019 playoffs. I mean, I, that the first-round series with Boston goes seven games, and and I, I had Drew Johnson of uh, the Hockey Writers on here, and uh, he talked about how um, Toronto, and we agreed that Toronto was probably the, the, the obviously the, the toughest opponent the Bruins faced in the Eastern Conference playoffs. And so Boston got out of that series, and they kind of saw the road ahead, and it was – we could do this. I mean, we if we play our game, we're going to the Stanley Cup final. Tampa Bay's out, um, Washington's out, and so when you see that, when you saw Boston be able to step out of that series, granted it was a tough series, but you saw the road ahead for them. Was it like, oh my God, if the Maple Leafs would have just won this series, they'd probably be going to the Stanley Cup final. Hundred percent. We talked about it all the time on the podcast. Yeah, it was, uh, you know. The road ahead of us would have been the exact same, you know, and I don't think that we would have lost those other teams. We have a mental problem with uh, with Boston, and like I said to Doug numerous times, it reminds me a lot of Washington versus Pittsburgh, and once Washington finally dispatched to Pittsburgh, you all see what happened. They went and won the Cup. So I think it's the same thing for us. Once we get over the mental hurdle of the Boston Bruins, um, hopefully this year, because odds on favor, we'll probably play them again. So... Hopefully we get by them and that'll be the, the path. But once you got out of that series, it, it, it's it, it's like this. Even the Boston players said the way the seeding is set up, that matchup should have been the Eastern Conference final yep. to get into the Stanley Cup. It shouldn't have happened in round one. A lot of these matchups are happening against two good teams way too early, and then you have a diluted rest of the playoffs because the best teams are already gone, like Tampa, like um, Washington, like Pittsburgh, by the time you get to the third round of the playoffs, a lot of those juggernauts are out because they've already faced their division rival early. Uh, one more question for you guys. Um, so uh, I'm just wondering, because I know he was a great in Maple Leafs lore, um, when can we expect Eric Brewer to have his number retired by the Maple Leafs? Oh, it already is. <laughs> it's already done. 
It's it's, Art, it's hanging it's hanging in urinal number thirty-two in the men's bathroom. <laughs> I'm not making fun of Eric Brewer, but the guy was a Maple Leaf for a cup of coffee, right? So right. I mean, he he wasn't there long enough for for anything to to build around him. Um, no. Back when we were kids, seeing Eric Brewer on the Maple Leafs in his prime, I would have been jacked to the nines. But the throwaway, get away from my team, Eric Brewer, we got no, no thanks. <laughs> Sorry, my friend. You know, there, yeah, there's we, better former former St. Louis Blues and Maple Leafs that uh, I'd put up on the the rafters before him if I had Gilmore, <laughs> Gilmore for sure, Gilmore. You know, me and Korolev, Jamal oh, Myers. Yeah. Come on now. I, he, even MVR, man, I'd put MVR up there in a heartbeat. Mister Mike Van Ryan, Mister Injury <laughs> waiting to happen. Oh, <laughs> I know, man. When he played for the Blues, he played on the top line with Pronger, and he was a stud. But then he just he kept getting hurt, and all of a sudden he wasn't the same guy anymore. That was the most frustrating thing. I was so excited because when he played, he played good. But yep. then he went played Montreal, hurt. And then I think in the same game, Brian McCabe broke his arm in three places. So he was not only an injury curse for himself, but anyone around him. So I yep. don't know. No, NBR ask- is a good guy to be around, I guess. I want to ask a question. I want to know if you think uh- – Cujo is, I think, uh, Cujo or Gilmore, who is the greater combination St. Louis Blues Maple Leaf player? Ooh, I would go with, I'd go with Curtis Joseph personally. Uh, as much as I love Doug Gilmore, I just feel like Curtis Joseph, what he brought to the team was more than what Gilmore ultimately did. But I don't, I, I was, I was pretty young when Gilmore was playing for the Leafs. So I'm interested on your guys' perspectives. Listen, you got an honorable mention Shane Corson too, man. I don't care. I loved Shane Corson as a Maple Leaf. Absolutely adored him. Uh, I mean, Mike Zigamanis is up there too. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> hey man, he, he came on your fourth line and win you some face-offs. That's all. He hey, he do. was a hell of a face-off guy. I'll give you that. That's all he had. That was his one-trick yep. pony. Yep. Uh, you know, for me, I oof, it's I have a signed Doug Gilmore jersey, and I it's like my pride and joy. I grew up such a big Gilmore fan. My dad, I remember him almost shedding tears when he got traded. Um, just such a. a God, such an awesome player. But in terms of what they did for both organizations, Doug Gilmore was pretty young when he was here. He was still good, but I think I got to agree with you. I think it's got to go to Curtis Joseph. Uh, Guy was just a a brick wall back there. Um, Not even sure if you guys are aware. He actually, I believe it's the NHL record. I know it's a Blues record of uh, shots faced in a season because the Blues' defense was that poor. And he was great. Uh, Rookie year. Second year, third year, he was so good for the Blues. So I got to go, Curtis Joseph. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> yeah, he was great. And and I remember in uh, Toronto when uh, they were going to the playoffs pretty much every year, it was almost like every year he was the one guy that you could say, hey, he's going to steal a series eventually. You know, he's going to get the Maple Leafs past the first round because he's that good. It just never seemed to really happen for him. Yeah, there were there were at least a couple seasons in there where he was he was propping up the Leafs team and getting them into the playoffs and getting them through the playoffs. Uh, I personally, I remember him beating the Ottawa Senators. That's that's a cherished oh, memory, yeah. and <laughs> that's 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 one of my favorite Curtis Joseph uh, moments is is beating the Senators. So that's I think that's when, just one of my favorite Leafs moments in general. When he <laughs> came back into the league, didn't he? Wasn't he the backup in Toronto? When he was like 41. 
Yeah, uh, I right was, yeah, it was, was that for his a last while, year? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was for yeah, I was remember that. I was like, oh, good for him. But then he went in and started getting lit up, and I was like, oh, poor Cujo. <laughs> <laughs> well, if guys, you answer that- your Curtis Joseph one there, he ranks 10th overall in most saves in the season for that porous 93-94 St. Louis Blues team. Yeah, it was terrible. They were they were bad. They were hard to watch, and it wasn't for Joseph. There's no way they make the playoffs that year. They had offense, and they had goaltending. That was it. I'll do a little trivia for the both of you. For the first, second, third, and fourth spot, there's only two guys that are in there. Can you name one of them, one of the two, that would be in the top four for saves? Who played in some? Rodor? Grant Fuhr? Or Fuhr, rather. <laughs> The first one is way back in the day, both seasons, 55-56 and 62-63, goes to Gump Worsley. Gump Worsley, of course. Holy mackerel. And then in 03-04-05-06, he just retired, threw his pads on the wire, Mr. Roberto Luongo. Roberto Luongo. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I should have guessed that too. And um, Freddie Anderson ranks 17th. Wow, what year? Uh, Freddie Anderson, uh, 17, 18. Oh, wow. 2,029 shots. Whew. Anytime you get over that 2,000 mark, holy cow. Number seven for the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, to throw a little context in there, is Mr. Felix Pot fan in 96, 97, 2,214. Wow. Cujo was 2,169 for the 10th place. Wow. Whew, man, those are some bad defenses. And to go back just a little further in our conversation about Mike Gartner, I just pulled up the Leafs uh, top 100 that they all voted on and did that list for. Gartner doesn't make the list. Ooh, man, I was way off on guessing how high he'd make the list. So he doesn't even crack the top 100. Ooh, oh, well, you guys would know better than me. <laughs> it's just it's, uh, there's just so many players to pick from with the Leafs. It's it's not. A, I wouldn't say it's not a shot at anybody. I'd say where where some teams, you know, you have 50, 60 years of history, and, and the Leafs just have almost twice as much. It makes it twice hard to pick that top ten. So number eighty-seven yeah. will be a name for me, guys. Come on, Baldy Cotton. Baldy <laughs> Cotton. Woo. Number eighty-seven. Baldy Cotton. They don't see kids named name. Baldy anymore. No. No. Baldy. Hey, well, what, is, what do you think he looks like? Oh, he looks like a baldy to me. Let's name him Baldy. Poor baby wow. has no hair. Did not have a chance. <laughs> Way to go, Cotton. All right, guys. This is uh, Let's go ahead and wrap this up. I really appreciate you guys coming on. Uh, but before I let you go, I want to make sure to give you guys plenty of time here to tell my audience and maybe any Maple Leafs fans that might have tuned in for this episode where they can find your show, how they can interact with you guys on social media, and um, you know anything else you want to promote here on Let's Go Blues Radio. Uh, Doug, you go right ahead, man. So you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Offside Talk. We are available on pretty much every podcasting platform there is under Offside Hockey Talk or Offside Talk. You can follow James at OHT Certified on Twitter or myself at Doug J Ireland on Twitter. Uh, our podcast does focus a bit on junior hockey, uh, the Ontario Junior Hockey League. Uh, and, and we also do quite a bit of talk from around the league. We generally, we have a segment every week, uh, going around the NHL and we also tend to cover any major moves and stuff like that. So send us a follow, give us a subscribe, whatever there is that the kids talk about these days with your social medias and whatnot. We'd appreciate it. 
Awesome. Well, guys, thank you. Thank, thank you. you very much for uh, having us on. And we look forward to uh, facing St. Louis this season. Maybe we'll have a little bit of a wager going on. Oh, I'm all for it. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll have to have maybe have you guys on for one of our live shows, and um, and we can talk a little bit more Blues and Maple Leafs current rather than uh, talking about you know the uh, the Doug Gilmore and Curtis Joseph years. <laughs> no problem. I'll raise you a Bozak. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> all well, right, my guys, friend. Well, I appreciate so much. it. Cheers. So another big thanks goes out to James and Doug for joining the show. Again, that's Offside Hockey Talk. Uh, great podcast if you're interested in the Toronto Maple Leafs. Twitter handles for this show. You can find us on Twitter, the show Twitter, at LGB Radio. That will keep you updated with uh, when our next live show will be, behind enemy line stuff, whatever you want to know about the show. That's a good resource for you. Kurt Price is at Kurt Price. Bill Day is at Billy Blue Note. And myself, Jeff Ponder, can be found at jponder94. Our next show will be Monday, September 9th. I welcome in Conrad Amenta from Welcome to Your Carlson Years. And that is a Senators podcast. And obviously, big talking point there was Pavel Dimitra. So we do uh, get a lot of that in. Plus, there's a lot of other great stuff we discuss. So a uh, fun episode with Count Conrad Definitely didn't think there'd be a lot to talk about, but uh, we ended up finding stuff, as I've been able to do throughout this series. Well, that will conclude this episode of Let's Go Blues Radio Behind Enemy Lines. Thanks for listening, and until next time, everyone, let's go blues. Play Gloria! Thanks for listening to the Hockey Show Blues Report of the Week. Have a great day. 